Praise the Lord. How many of you have had a great week? Pastor, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Who cares? Aren't you used to that by? I mean, please tell me. Uh, I don't want to get used to this. Listen, your old normal's gone. Okay? Now, I'm not in, I know I have people here, well, you know, what's the new normal going to be? I don't ever want a normal. I, I want, you know, the, the greatest thing about what's happened in the last six months is change. The whole was turned upside down. Your life was turned upside down. Um, churches all over America, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do for pastors? What are we going to do? Um, to me, this has been the greatest time to change. Change up, do things, change up who we're reaching, how we're reaching. And it's been a powerful opportunity. Because here's the thing about change. You know, we, there's always, in the business world, there's always certain ways you want to change things for success or it can be a tremendous flop. And if you things the wrong way, as a leader, you really get into a lot of trouble. But we've been able to change a lot of things, and it's nobody's fault. I went on the pandemic. Pastor, what are you, what are you talking about? Um, everything we've been talking about the last several weeks, and recording it, we, we've certainly been streaming it, <clears throat> and I really hope, I, I just encourage you, if you're watching, but even you guys, listen, challenge people to watch these. Because here's the thing. We're not just talking about this. We're living it out. You're going to hear this on a regular basis. Uh, 2020 Vision for the rest of your life is not, is not just a series. It's the rest of your life. What happens when we talk about the starting point of the rest of your life? You, when you get saved, your eternity has changed. But not only are you saved, we've been talking about the fact that that you can experience healing. How many of you, and, and I'm not trying to put anybody on the spot, how many of you have areas in your life that you, you know you still need healing? Brokenness, there's hurt, there's pain, there's frustration, there, there might be bitterness. And sometimes we, we feel, what's the problem? Am I, am I clicking? Or? Okay, i got to stop that. Uh, sometimes we have this mindset that we're only right with God when everything's perfect. So, there's something called suffering. There's something called taking up your cross and following Jesus. Nothing about that is easy. I, I will tell you this, healing can take place. And sometimes it's not until we're healed that you're really set free. Now, you don't have to raise your hand on this one. But how many of you just know stuff in your life that you've not been set free from yet? Okay, we would all need two hands on that. There's stuff in our lives that we still are saying, God, please help me in these areas. Now, I say that because followed that up last week with discipleship. And we did not go into all the, the levels and all the intricate ways that discipleship can be. But here's what we did talk about, making space for God. Because if you don't make space, you're not going to pray. If you don't intentionally make space in your life, things, things don't just happen by accident. Sometimes that's how we follow Christ. If it's your will for me to go to church today, I'm driving. But Jesus, take the wheel. If it's your will for me to do, if it's your will for me to go visit that Lord, I'll, I'll know it's your will. Take the wheel, Jesus, and take me to their house. No, you have to be intentional about everything you do. You have to also be intentional about making space for God. This week I'm going to talk about what it means to be equipped. Let me ask a question, or actually I'm going to quote Oswald Sanders. 
our chambers, and I want you to, to just see if you can read this, or maybe how you feel when you hear this. Listen to what he said. God expects his children to be so confident, him, that in any crisis, they are the reliable ones. I'm going to say that again. God expects his children, are you guys children? God expects you to be confident in him so much that in any crisis, you are the reliable ones. That when a pandemic hits, it's not the children of God running around going, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? It's the children of God is my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and righteousness. Things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. But I don't know what I'm going to do. Start making space. Start making spaces. Oh, pastor, it's, it's difficult, and I'm not even preaching yet. It's difficult. It's, it's hard sometimes. And you're talking about I'm feeling a little guilty. That's not guilt. It's called conviction. You're hearing the word, the challenge. God expects us. That's why he says we can come boldly into the throne room of grace. Well, I don't feel worthy. Accept him. Accept his righteousness. Uh, I, I just, I'm looking for this to start taking us to a, a new level, not of arrogance, but of boldness. Not of we think we're somebody, but we know who's. Now, now, what does that look like for us to be talking about being equipped today? And I, I want you to keep that in the back of your mind. Am I reliable? When the stuff hits the fan, bring that up. When the stuff hits the fan, you can be relied on. When stuff happens, when crisis hits, when people's lives fall apart, when the world gets turned upside down, <coughs> you can be relied on. Now, that, that, that does not mean that we're not going to feel pain and suffering and, and discomfort. You understand what I'm saying? Now, I want you to turn to a very familiar passage. Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to read a few verses from there very quickly, and we're going to get into this. Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to read verse 8 and then jump over to 11. It says, but to each one of us, grace was giving according to the measure of Christ's gift. He says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And then verse 11 says, and he himself gave some to be apostles some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? For the giving of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of stature of fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking truth in love, making all things into him who is the head, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective work by which every part does share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now, obviously, um, he's talking about gifts here. 
what I'm not going to do today for just a few moments, what I'm not going to do today is, is try to bring all the different gifts. We, we know that there are ministry gifts. We know that there are, are what some call power gifts or manifestation gifts. We know that there are motivational gifts. And if you go through our flow, and we're even changing a lot of that up, but we'll be doing that in September. We're starting grace groups in September. How many of you understand that September is right around the corner? Okay. Some of us get lost in pandemic and we forget what month it is. Be honest, how many have forgotten sometimes what day it is? Okay, I've gotten up through the pandemic and thought, okay, I'm pretty sure, uh, whatever, I, it'll be Sunday eventually. Here, here's what happens. <clears throat> we know we have these gifts, but I want to focus in for just a few moments on what the writer, some know as Paul, saying as the Ephesians are trying to learn here why these gifts are given to the church. It's not just so somebody can call themselves an apostle. It's not so someone can call themselves a teacher or a pastor. Or, all those are vital. I want to focus on why the giftings even exist. It's, it's for the equipping of the saints. Now let me just start there by saying this. Don't, don't read into that. You, you are the saints. If you know Jesus Christ, personal Savior, well, Pastor, I don't, I don't really act like a saint. We're not bringing up actions right now. Most don't act like saints on a regular basis. But a saint is a sinner saved by grace, anointed by the Holy Spirit, instructed by the Word, nurtured by fellowship, and telling others about Jesus. That's what we're growing into, Okay? So, so we're all saints. We're all believers. It's just some of us, and in this case, in this local fellowship, I'm the pastor, which I just want to take a moment to say this says that I'm your gift. Just wanted to throw that out there. Non-refundable. And, and, but here's, here's the thing. Not even, it's not about me. Okay? It's not about me. It's about the fact that given these type of gifts, to do what? Equip. Equip you. Equip the saints for the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry, edifying or building up the body of Christ, making you reliable every crisis. Building you up to the place where maturity is seen and you begin to walk it out. Now, we've been talking about this a little bit every week. But that little by little, those things that weigh you down don't weigh you down anymore. Little by little, the things that have held you back don't hold you back anymore. And as making progress, you start maturing, you start growing, and the next thing you know, you're not the person you were last year. You're not the person you were two years ago. Because he goes on to say, we, we do this because we don't want to be toddlers tossed to and fro. Um, if there's one thing that I've seen over the last several months <clears throat> is how that many, excuse me, how that many in the body of Christ um, spend a lot of time getting tossed to and fro. Spend a lot of time wavering. Spend a lot of time trying to figure out things instead of understanding who they are in Christ and growing. When you stop growing, it's going to be difficult. But he says, we all do this. Why? Because equipping is important. Now, I'm saying equipping is important. We're not 
equipping each other, if we're not growing, if we're not walking this out, we're missing it. So how are we, let's focus on that for just a few more minutes. Three ways that we're equipped are what happens when we're equipped. Because <clears throat> I'm not even going into different equipping ways. That's for another day, another class. And we are going to be doing a lot of different training. Because I, I'm just telling you, and I, I'm, if you read this on, and we'll be in 1 Corinthians in just a moment. We need to be able to teach this and speak this in love. But can I ask you Does that mean that when you teach or speak into someone's life, that they always love it? No. Love hurts, baby. Now, here's the difference. Here's what what Paul is talking about. If I'm speaking to you something, and I'm enjoying the fact that you're hurting, that's wrong. If I'm just trying to get my way, if I'm just trying to get my word in, that's wrong. That's not doing anything, even if you say it nicely. That's wrong. I see you drowning. You see somebody drowning, and you would go, well, I would throw you the, the life preserver, but the last time I did said, so I'm saying this kindly because I, I want to do it in love. While they're drowning. No, you scream at them, need, where's the life preserver? Get over here. And then when you get them out of the water, you still scream at them, don't ever do that again. Why? Because you're trying to get your scream on. Not because you're trying to get your feelings out, because you're trying to make a stand about something, because you're interested in help. You don't yell at a child playing in the street, uh, honey, get out of the street, you might get hit by a car. You don't want to ruin their ego at a young age. Yeah. We, we don't want to hurt their feelings. Loud noises hurt their feelings. So do fast cars. Fast cars will feel it. You'll feel that too. Now, don't go home and, and yell at you. Of course, all the homeschool parents said, what? <laughs> but here's, here's what has to happen. When we talk to each other in love, it's got to be about exhorting and lifting up the other person. So that's what I'm attempting to do today, guys. How do, how do we equip? What are the first things that we have to do when we want to be equipped? Number one, we have to become available. You have to be available. I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, well, I, I want to do that, but I'm, I'm just not ready. Ability. God doesn't want your ability. He wants your availability. See, when you become available, he will make you able. God is able. Uh, There are many in our life where we feel God is calling us to something or God is wanting to do something in our lives. Or even as the body of Christ, we're we're encouraged to to live out this call God has given us to follow him. And and we think that we have to somehow get ready first before we can really follow him. That is not how it has ever worked. Actually, anything you've ever done in your life that you really probably learned from, you realize that you needed to learn something from. And that usually happened because you made a mistake trying something. So you decided, well, I, I'm going to try this in my life. I read a lot about it, but let me try. And then you realize that schooling was needed. You realize that you need to learn some things. Uh, availability means you're willing to follow after Christ even if you don't totally understand. Now, I say this because Second Timothy tells And the things that you have heard from among many witnesses... 
commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others. That, that's the combination you're looking for. Faithful, then able. For many, many years in the church, we've gone for the able people who were never faithful. A lot of able, but never at the same time. You get able people, they've got incredible gifts, incredible talents. They're never here. And I say, I say that not to make it, don't get, don't get nervous. Put your Pastor John loves me seat. It's, it's not about making anyone feel bad. It's making sure we choose people who are faithful. I'd rather have someone who's faithful and work with them. Because, listen, faithful people aren't necessarily perfect. Hello? As a matter of fact, um, many times you will find out real quick that a faithful person definitely going to make a lot of mistakes in the helping them become able process. I, I'm, I'm definitely um, sort of glad that she's in here today. And I know Leteric, she might have just stepped out, but Leteric came up before pre-pandemic. I don't even know what series we were in, but we were having a service, someone like this, and, and I talked about what is God laying on your heart, what is it that you should be doing that you've not been doing. And boom, we went endemic. And it took a few months, but Leteric finally showed up one day, and she said, listen, I've I got to tell you something. Before the pandemic hit, I really felt God was calling me to work with children. And, you know, I know everything's changed right now, but can you please, you know, tell me how that's going to work? I, I just want to make myself available. Okay. Well, I said, yeah, let's, let's talk. So we sat down, and here, here's how the conversation started. I really don't have any experience. Now, I've got to be honest with you. Um, that's not what pastors want to hear when you're talking about working with children. But here's what, what drove it home and sealed the deal for me. She said, I just know because I was raised in church. My grandmother and my mother raised me, and they were over church. And every Sunday, I left so excited about the Word of God. And that's how I want our kids to leave on Sunday. It means that when you make yourself available, you start locking yourself in. I, one of the things that I've really seen, and, and a few years ago, I would have people come to me and say, Pastor, we're just we're looking for the right church. We've not been able to find the right church. Okay, I, I get that. I, I understand that. Okay, But he, here's the problem. There is no perfect church. There really is. I mean, now we know that there's so many churches you can find your preference of teaching, or you can find your preference of teaching, or you can find preference of worship. I get that. I totally get that. But that's another reason why I love the pandemic. Everybody's world has changed. If you needed bells and whistles to be in church, you have no bells and whistles. For, for weeks when you're sitting at home watching something on television, and don't raise your hands on this, by the way. But it, it was too easy. You might be watching us one minute, but then it's like you've got a channel changer in your hand. Or you've got a clicker in your hand. 
What do, you, what do we all do? Don't raise your hands. What do we all do when we get a little antsy with what we're watching? Wait. What do we all do when he says something that we don't like? Click. Or that's not my favorite song. Click. Well, we take that. It's not that we got that from the computer. We from how we've been living. So we search for preferences rather than, am I hearing the word? Listen, am I hearing the word and am I growing? Or am I still bouncing around like toddlers, being, being swayed by conniving, deceitful programs and plots and plans in there? Can I ask you a question? Now, I'm not trying to politicize anything. But when you see the news and you look at our culture, have you asked yourself the question, how can people believe all the stuff they believe? How can Christians believe the multi-level beliefs that they talk about and be the same book? I'll tell you why. They've not made themselves available to being discipled. And they've not made themselves available to being equipped. They want to be equipped their way. But according to this, avail yourself. When you become available and get rooted and grounded, all this floating around stops. Get into the accountability issue today. But there's something about when you start becoming accountable to each other. I'm not pretending people don't move and people don't leave churches. What I'm telling you is it's, it's important to understand that you need to get rooted and grounded no matter what anybody else does. Okay? Second thing, can I move on? Second thing, be a servant. Be available, be a servant. Listen to the, to the how many times people identify themselves as being a servant. In Romans chapter 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Philippians 1 and 1, Paul and Timothy, servants Jesus. James 1 and 1, James, a servant of God. 2 Peter 1 and 1, Simon Peter, a servant, apostle of Jesus Christ. We're servants. Our identity should be that we're servants of God. Um, don't go home and have name tags made up, but, but depending on where you, what you do, everybody's got their title that they work so hard for. And, and listen, I get that. I understand that, please. And we pay respect. It's, it's not a, we don't need to be disrespectful. People have earned things, and that's, that's totally understandable. But, but when it comes to our Christ, they were very men who wrote the word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit that became a part of the canonized version I read. The, the way they identify themselves before anything else is written is, I'm a servant. There is, is a slave term, quite honestly. And I don't mean to be offensive, but it's, it's a slave term. Because they had no, uh, had no discussion that they could offer to change the master's mind. Israel said, I want you to go here. The bond servant got up and went there. If, if the master said, I want you to do this, this, and this, the bond servant didn't turn around and say, well, you know, I'm not really able to do that. That's not, you know, that's not, that's not what I'm passionate about, Master. I, I'm not passionate about that. 
I'm, I'm not really excited about it. Nobody notices when I do that. I don't get any recognition. Uh, no, nobody, you know, and after all, Lord, you gifted me in these areas. Let's stick to these three. No, the bondservant had no, no call, no say. Right, husbands? Just throwing that out there, sorry. Now, here's, here's what I do know. That when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I became a slave, not under sin, but to Jesus. And when he speaks, now listen, full transparency, I have argued with God. Lost every time. Lost every time. Because I, I keep going back to the word, and the answer is right there, clear as day. And I'm like, I'm going to wait. Maybe it'll change. The word will change. Maybe I don't have to forgive in this particular situation. Maybe this will be okay for me to do it this time just once. No, when, when the master says, this is it, that's where I go. And it's only by grace of that, right? And I, I've, just, I've just discovered that in my own life, if I'm honest with, with all of you here, it's, it's really being available and being equipped to the point that as a servant of God, I'm going to do what he's called me to do and be what he's called me to be. It's a part of our nature, though, to, to want to wrestle against that. It's like Jesus in Mark chapter 9. Jesus is coming to Capernaum with his disciples. And he to the house and he turns to his disciples and he says, listen, what were you guys arguing back there about on the road? And they were completely silent because none of them wanted to admit they were arguing over who's going to be the greatest. First of all, because Jesus had to die for that to happen. And it's almost like children arguing, arguing openly in front of the parents about who's going to get the inheritance, right? So here's, here's, here's what Jesus was saying. What are you arguing about to confront them? And then he pulls them together and he says, listen, guys, if anyone deserves to be first, he needs to be last and servant of all. He needs to be a servant. In Matthew, Jesus describes himself like this. I didn't come to be served. I didn't come to be waited on, but I came to serve. All, all discipleship is, all equipping is, is to teach more and more about how to follow Jesus. Not more and more about how to follow your passion. I believe in coaching. I believe in getting in touch with yourself. But what the Bible tells you to do to yourself on a regular basis is die. The only reason we should be getting in touch with ourselves on a regular basis is to make sure we're killing the right stuff. So we have to die daily. We have to make sure that we're a servant in, in all that we do. And I'm not I'm just talking about church. I'm not talking about Sundays. All that we do. Am I making sense? So sometimes we might serve where we are not gifted. <laughs> See. We get opportunities to do things that we're not gifted for. That's why, you know, I'm so blessed. Yesterday, we, we've been planning to take these lunches over to Judeo, and, and part of the change that's taking place there is that even pre-pandemic, they want us all, because we were the kind of church, we would take 30 people over there to make lunch, because we wanted to shake hands with people, and, and listen, we don't need people to come to do that. We just need you to feed and leave. Okay, well, we, we got it, but we just want to love on people. 
Um, finally, they just told us, you know, you know, four or five, that's it, please. Well, once the pandemic hit, everything came to a screeching halt. And now they called us back and said, listen, you know, a lot of churches are still closed. A lot of churches have really hit a place where they can't do this anymore. But if you stand, um, just what we're asking is you just bring the lunches and drop them off. So as we we, we made 60 to 70. And, and Ulyssa, wonderful, wonderful job. It's heading up our reach. And so we've been advertising, you know, we're putting all these sandwiches together. And I don't know if you've made 60 sandwiches by yourself before. But I can only imagine that wouldn't be fun. You know, well, if you really love Jesus, Pastor. No, I want to equip you to make sandwiches. Get that? Now what happened? 20-something people showed up. We, we said we're going to be here at 11. Never mind, we'll be out of here by 12. We were done at 11.15. You know why? Because they came to serve. Even if sandwich making wasn't your gift. I don't, I don't do sandwiches. We're here to do oranges. Put them in a bag. Well, I don't, I don't do, we're here to take out the trash. You can do something. We know you're good for something. Because some of us have a mindset. I'm, I'm telling you this. Some of us have a mindset. I'm, I'm waiting for the managerial position to open up in the spiritual realm. Um, Pastor, I, I want to I serve. I want to use my gifts and talents. So when you need somebody to preach for me, let me know. You're never going to preach, I promise. Um, it's, it's not about proving something. It's about locking in. It's about walking it out. And I'm not saying this. This isn't about me. You can ask any, any staff that's ever worked with me, one of the first things we do is go work on a toilet. Ask them. Any staff that's ever worked with me, uh, usually men and women, we will end up working on a toilet. Why? Because nothing's too good for you. If I have to work on a toilet, you will learn to work on a toilet. Why? Because in the kingdom of God, you better thank God for toilets. Imagine if we didn't have one, what you'd be working on. Hello? Uh, we might need to turn this off. I'm not sure. Here, here's my point. If, if you work, you'll work with toilets. You'll, you'll, you'll learn how to operate a vacuum cleaner. You'll learn how to chase kids up and down the hallway. Well, that's just not my ministry, Pastor. Well, you better get on it. Because you will do things in seasons of your life that might not be your gift and calling. And, and, and listen, I'm not saying there's just like this regimen that you've got to produce and, and, and show us how serious you are, so here's the list, paint the church. It's not about that. It is about are you willing to become available to do whatever needs to happen in your life where Jesus Christ is glorified? And yes, if we're at on Sunday or at, if you're at work on Monday, Jesus Christ is glorified and you're willing to serve even at work on Monday. What about just helping watch the kids or make a sandwich? It's are you willing to help make a sandwich to somebody at work on Monday? Are you willing to speak into somebody's life on on Monday? Well, usually that's my worst day. Really, after Sunday, Monday's your worst day? Listen, 
I, I just want to challenge you. Make yourself available. Be a servant. But then lastly, be a minister. Now, what do I mean by that? Be a minister. Pastor, we, we thought you were the minister. Nope. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm called to be a pastor. I've got a lot of different gifts and talents, but I'll even work on toilets. What is a minister? Listen to what, listen to what the Word of God tells us. <laughs> Excuse me. 2 Corinthians 3, we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of his new covenant. He's talking to all of us. The NIV says he has made us competent as ministers. He has enabled us to be ministers. Now, let's talk about this very quickly, and I really am wrapping things up here in a minute. First of all, I don't like the idea of when people think of me as, John, are you full-time or part-time? I'm full-time. I breathe every day. Everything I do is full-time. Um, I'm a full-time husband. I'm a, I'm a full-time minister. Now, as a pastor, as a pastor here, this is a vocation. This is a vocation. So I... I I, it's not a full paid salary. This isn't a business meeting, I know. But I, I have a vocation here. I have a little vocation. Uh, yesterday, I pressure washed a daycare. Uh, yes, you can pressure wash too. I, I pressure washed a daycare. Why? Because that's a part of how I'm able to make some money too. My pressure washing business at the daycare. I teach at Regent. And, and I'm not seeing how busy I can be. Here's my point. Um, I'm a, I'm a full-time minister. But I also pastor a church, pressure wash daycares, and teach classes. I do that undercover as a minister. Have you, have you ever thought? Because, see, sometimes if, if we only equate ministry with this here, you'll never be a minister. If we only equate me as being the minister, when somebody's sick, what the first thought that runs through your mind is, I wonder if the minister's called her. Well, you get on it. Well, I've not heard from the minister in, in six months. Um, listen, as a pastor, I'm going to do those kind of things. But let me encourage you. You are a full-time minister. Now, I want to share this work very quickly. How does God reach people? How does God reach people? I want you to think about this. How does God reach the medical field? Well, he takes someone like Dr. Debbie Bucci, and he gives her a job at Sentara. And a full-time minister working undercover. See, they don't know it, but they've got an undercover full minister working at a hospital. How does God reach how does God reach students? This is good stuff. You're not acting, this is good. How does God reach students? Every, every college student, every high school student, you're an undercover student because you're a full-time minister being homeschooled right now. Not easy. But you know as well as I do, you're going to be out and around with your friends. You know, the pandemic has slowed none of you down. 
So you're going to be out and around your friends, hanging out with friends, hanging out with neighbors. Just think about this. I want you to think about this this afternoon. Wherever you go and whatever you do, I'm a full-time minister. I'm in full-time, and my cover is I'm a pastor. My cover is I work out of school. My cover is I'm a student. My cover is I work for the government. How, do, how does God reach people in the military? Arson's a, a full-time minister who is also in the military. He's undercover. Well, that, this, all, this all working good, but I'm retired. Oh, you're in trouble now because now you've got more time to be full-time. All right? I, I'm a full-time minister, and, and if whether you're at Hardee's or on the golf course, you're still representing Jesus Christ in all that you say and all that you do. No, no matter where you are, you're a full-time minister. And see, we say that, and in the back of our mind, we're saying, well, I don't know how to preach. Nobody asks you. You, you may speak into someone's life, but no, nobody's asking you. If you work at Walmart, nobody is asking you to go into Walmart tomorrow and stand up in aisle four and start prophesying over the cashiers. But, but what, what would it look like? See, we talk about the seven mountains here, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on this, but we, we talk about the seven mountains of culture, and we have mistakenly use the Red Mountain and called it the church mountain. No, you, you don't take the religion mountain and make it the church. Every has some type of religion that they worship. Every culture has a business mountain. They have a media mountain, entertainment, education mountain, family. Because in every culture, those are defined for that culture a certain way. So is religion. And we some started calling that religion mountain a church mountain. And now the church is stuck over here and has nothing to do with culture. And we're trying to figure out how to get the culture back over here. The, the religion mountain will never be in the business mountain. Here's how we the mountains, church. You become a full-time minister and go to work tomorrow on whatever mountain you work on. Some of you business world. Some of you work in education. Some of you as moms and dads just became homeschool teachers. Be undercover. Be full-time. Am I making any sense? Be, be full-time. I'm not trying to be silly about this. When you become available, God will allow you to be able as he works with you. When you become a servant, I just, my heart does go out, and we're closing. Let's all stand so I'll close. Does this mean, Pastor, that when I become a minister, I'm not going to have to make hard decisions? No, you'll still have to make hard decisions. You'll still have to speak the truth in love. You'll still have to deal with employees. You'll still have to deal with children. You'll still have to deal with bosses. You'll have to deal with, with, with other workers. You'll still have to do with, deal with all kind of stuff, family issues, business issues, and there'll be some times when you think, man, this full-time ministry stuff was not what I thought. I thought it would feel more like heaven. You're in the kingdom when you give your life to Jesus. And we are experiencing the kingdom of God like you could never believe, but not yet. It's, it's here now, but not what it's going to be. So what are we doing now? We're, we're allowing the world through us 
That's what Jesus means when he says, go be salt. You're not part-time salt. You are salt. Be light. There's no switch on that. On and off. Be light. How do we do that, Pastor? Be available. Serve. Serve wherever you can. Um, I didn't read this passage. I wanted to get, didn't want to bog us down too much and get sidetracked. But in that, that last part of the passage that we read in Ephesians, it talked about the body when a joint, when every part of the body does its share. You do your share. Now just think about that. Are you reliable? Share. The Bible saying that that's not a critique, and that's not a challenge from the pastor. What the Bible's telling us is when you start walking that out like Oswald Chambers said it like this: When your confidence is in God, when crisis hits, you're the reliable one. You're the one people turn to. You're the one at work will start saying, "Tell me about this, Jesus." greatest growth that this church will experience is not when everybody comes back. It's hard, but it's true. Um, I don't base um, my research, everything I read, but I read a lot. And there's a, a pretty clear definition that many scholars and researchers have come up with on, the, on what church is going to start looking like over the next several months and years. One of the things they talk about, people that sort of visited occasionally will just stop altogether. Because with that much of a space, a lot of us cannot be in that church on Sunday. And little by little, when, when fear subsides and when things come about in a better way, there's a, there's a, a, a shot, antivirus, and those kind of things that, that will help us get more acclimated. We'll come back, but there's a lot of people that you won't see listen, that doesn't mean we need, don't need to reach out to them. What that does mean is whether they come or whether we've got to dig deep. You've got to take care of yourself. You've got to dig deep. Why? Because the church is moving into an era where the new growth that will come to the church will be conversion growth, not, not transfer growth. In other words, not somebody just coming in looking for a church. We're, you know, we've been going to whatever just, we don't like him anymore, so we're coming here. But stuff happens, but that's not the kind of growth that glorifies God. It's when people's lives are changed. It's when people are wrestling with wrestling with fear, wrestling with issues that are so prevalent in our culture, and you have just been a light every day. You go to work and you're a light. You go home and you're a light. And, and even from time to time, listen to me, from time to time, when you say things you shouldn't say or do things you shouldn't do, the first thing you should do is say, wait, you know what? I'm sorry. That's, that was my flesh. That was me. I apologize. I, I, want, I, I live for someone else, not me. That's all Because at some point, they're going to say, well, what did he Some of us, if we just wore our mask, they wouldn't even know who we are. We could tell them anything we want, right? Then you could preach. 
I hope you're hearing my heart today. More importantly, I hope you're hearing the word. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, there's so much that that we've sort of been broadly laying out over the last several weeks. That I know you're taking deeper. It's just us getting a little bit of a snapshot. And Lord, even next week as we talk in power. Lord, you're with us always, even to the end of the age. Lord, help us to understand that tomorrow, as ourselves available, as we step out and, and attempt to serve, as, as we just step out, understanding that we're ministers, it's not a title, it's an opportunity. Lifestyle. And you're with us. You're with us. Lord, I pray that even as we leave this today, that you be glorified in our lives. No one here is perfect. But as your word tells us, though the righteous fall, they will get up. What makes us righteous is you, Lord Jesus. It's not that we won't fall. It's not that we won't mess up. It's that we keep running back to you. So, Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, that you anoint us, that you strengthen us, every mom, every dad, every husband, every wife, every child, wherever our workplace may be, whatever we do, whomever we come in contact with, available. We serve and be full-time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, You're dismissed. I know as we have in the past, we've been um, having some discussion, but here's what I want you to do today. I want you to go home. These questions are on the website. Um, Take a phone, open up the app, and over dinner, discuss this. Discuss this. What does it look like for me to be available? What does it look like for me to understand God's calling me to something? There's different questions up there. Um, Please take time to discuss that. Amen? God bless you. You are dismissed.